Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Well, hello, Dr. History. How are you? Brought to you, everybody, by Minicash Sales, located at 1321 East Main in Burley. How are you today? I'm doing great. It's a nice day out there. The sun's shining. It's not too bad. Now, you're going to be practicing Chinese before too long? Yes, I'm going to be over there, and uh, I'm kind of excited to get over there. Can you say something in Chinese this morning? No. <laughs> Not, but maybe, not a word. maybe they say no over in China. I'm, I'm, I, I've got some CDs that I'm pri- trying to practice uh, Mandarin. Uh-huh. It's not going well. Are they the ones that you listen while you have them under your pillow at night? Well, I've got them out in my shop listening. It's not working. So you good. fall asleep in your shop. Right. I see. Okay. <laughs> um, I believe we're going to be talking about a subject, uh, medicine, in the Old West, but particularly up in the gold mining areas, right? Well, if you think about the gold rush and the mining camps, you know that there were accidents and things that happened, and so we're going to talk about the doctors in gold country. And then you're going to give me a break in the middle so we can talk all about Minicash's sales. That's right. All yes. right. Good. All right. Well, seeking their fortune along with everybody else, uh, some doctors found after arriving in the gold camps that they could make more money attending the sick than prospecting. Now, an ounce of gold, which might take all day or longer to dig, was worth $16, and that was what many doctors charged for a house call. Mm. And as one discouraged 49er complained, he said, gravel, chills, fever, and scurvy begin to make their appearance, and I ain't well myself. There's been three doctors or things they call doctors working at me for some time, have now paid out all my gold to the doctors, and they leave me in worse condition. Mm. Another miner wrote, the doctors charge pretty well. They charge for pills as if they were diamonds and bleed a man of an ounce of gold and an ounce of blood at the same time. What was an ounce of gold worth back then? Um, I don't know. Oh. Okay. That's a good question. Okay. But anyway, the doctors, like other fortune seekers, were always ready to move on to the latest hot spot. Uh, many mining town trenchants included doctors and lawyers, merchants, gamblers, and other entertainers that came to mine the miners out of their hard-earned gold dust. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you giggling for? Well, I was just looking at you. <laughs> that makes me feel real warm and fuzzy. Sure, I let a little yawn out. I wasn't yeah, bored. Okay. I, I well, was just... I could just see the wheels turning in your head. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so as I said, people came to mine the miners, but the hustle sometimes worked both ways. One doctor, newly arrived at Deadwood, Dakota Territory, treated a miner's badly shot-up arm and was paid with a sack of gold dust 
Well, later he found out that it was not real gold, and after that he always carried a bottle of testing acid with him to make sure he was getting oh, for the real sake. thing. Really? Now, mining camp doctors were often justifiably leery of their professional colleagues. Not only was there a great deal of suspicion among the different medical sects at the time, but there was also rivalry, and actually there were territories. Now, practicing in Placerville, California, previously known as Hangtown, there was a guy by the name of Dr. Hullings, described as a large, belligerent, swaggering man, had frightened off all the other doctors who tried to hang their shingles in the community. Well, a Dr. Willis came to those diggings and hung his diploma on the wall of the tent that served as his office, and it wasn't long before Hullings stalked into the tent, tore up the diploma, spat tobacco juice in Willis's face, and that was his mistake. Willis challenged Hullings to a duel, and it ended in the newcomer's favor, and the good Dr. Willis then settled into a quite nice medical practice. Now, he was the one that spit the tobacco. The guy that spit the tobacco lost. Oh, he did? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. The new doctor won and took over the territory. Moral of the story, don't chew. Don't chew. Well, in the far-flung mining towns, anyone calling himself a doctor was usually accepted at face value. Now, during the boom in Bannock, Montana in the 1860s, at least 12 men who called themselves doctors drifted into town. So even legitimate doctors didn't come to those hard, scrabble places for humanitarian reasons, but to dig for gold. So some of the physician miners failing to make their strike or their pile returned to their profession, and some had offices, often in a tent, but they practiced mostly out of saddlebags, and and the doctor's paraphernalia were carried either on a horseback or in a buggy, and he treated his patients at their home or wherever they happened to be. Now, many of the mining gulches were so isolated they had no resident doctor. So a few doctors rode the circuit and made regular visits, sometimes accompanying a clergyman. So men of the cloth often rode circuits in rural areas, including those in the West. So the progress of those traveling physicians and teachers and preachers on their missions to heal the body and the soul was often slowed by terrible weather, poor trails, stream crossings, all the things they had to put up with. But in their saddlebags uh, or pocket cases or leather handbags, the doctors carried their tools of the trade, uh, pocket instruments like scissors, scalpels, probes, a special knife for enlarging bullet and arrow wounds, needles, tweezers, sutures, clamps. Uh, some carried amputation saws and knives. Uh, they used muslin for bandage, uh, and sometimes they used lint to stop bleeding. I have a question. Okay. In the Old West, was there any guarantee? Was there any diploma? Was there any kind of a verification that they were really doctors? Or maybe they just rode into town and said they were a doctor because they stayed at a Holiday Inn last night. That is exactly the case. And that happened throughout the West. These uh, charlatans and fakes would come in and sell their really uh, famous uh, cure-all Uh-oh. and then move on to the next town. Uh-oh. So, but frontier doctors often used whiskey as anesthesia. Uh, even when there was ether and chloroform available, you know, whiskey was kind of the trusted uh, all-around uh, uh, anesthesia. Mm-hmm. So liquor was used as a general and medicinal for a variety of element, ailments. Uh, if nothing else, an ounce or two worked as a great mood elevator. And if a doctor used any antiseptic at all, it was drinking whiskey and uh, just sloshed it into the wound. So, so the general public really was at the uh, at the whims of what these people wanted to do. Yeah, and you sometimes you were taking your life in your hands just to go to the doctor. Wow. So, but in the farther reaches of the front. 
Frontier, uh, you know, they were the last to hear about the modern or, or new things, so uh, new medical ideas. Mm-hmm. So in the mid to late 1800s, a time of considerable me- medical progress, the dissemination of the medical advancement was almost entirely by word of mouth. They didn't have the books and the Internet or anything like that to dispense the knowledge. So wow. a lot of these guys got out there, and if they did graduate from a uh, acknowledged medical school, they didn't have contact to learn what was being, you know, the new information. So if they got bit by a snake and the guy says, how bad is it, doc? The doc just looked at him and says, you're going to die. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, but anyway, out of necessity, uh, you know, some doctors, they didn't have stethoscopes, so they just put their ear to the chest and they didn't have the ophthalmoscope for looking in the eyes. Some didn't even have a thermometer to check for temperature. But in the light of the enormous advances made by medical science during the 20th century, it's hard for us to envision how these physicians practiced as they did. I mean, no, knowing little or nothing about germs. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, we'll get into that a little bit later. But I'll bet we will. they did not completely understand the transmission of infectious diseases. Oh, my. And they diagnosed without modern tools. So the frontier practitioner relied a lot on common sense, which in some cases was really the best medicine anyway yeah so now although helpless in healing infectious disease many frontier doctors were skilled trauma surgeons and in the gold camp guns were used all too often to settle disputes so mining town doctors gained a good deal of experience with gunshot wounds and other injuries but because of the high risk of infections these sometimes crude tools and inadequate anesthesia Surgeons had to have great confidence to be and be adept with a knife, knowing anatomy pretty good, and operate with speed. Because a lot of times these guys were bleeding to death, and they had to get in there and get things done. Yeah, but they didn't have any anesthetics or anything. No. And the only thing they had possibly to fight against germs was whiskey. Yeah, exactly. Can you imagine having a gunshot wound and pouring whiskey in it? (laughs) Which planet are you going to end up on? (laughs) That's right. Uh, When you wake up, where are you going to be? So, but during most of the frontier era, there was little or no appreciation of germs. So operations were performed with unsterilized instruments, sometimes washed in the creek water or oh my uh, prior to being used. The patient was immobilized on a table, lightheaded from whiskey. So operations that then were restricted to the external surface of the body. Doctors knew that to open up the abdomen or other body cavity usually led to fatal infections. Oh, my goodness. So with they bare, knew that. Yeah. With bare, unwashed hands and in hardly any light, the surgeon did his work trying, tying off gushing blood vessels, oh probing my. wounds for bullets, suturing, amputating limbs, uh, and usually they were dressed in just their regular clothing, oh. which they'd been wearing maybe for a week. We've come a long way. <laughs> yes. And they'd just come from maybe a uh, patient that had measles or mumps. Oh, or, my goodness. So, And sometimes the doctor was smoking a cigar, and the ashes would fall into the open wound, and flies would be buzzing around. Well, that would and, cauterize it, wouldn't it? <laughs> it could. Okay. This might be a good place to stop. I think so. Not permanently, but (laughs) anyway. Doctor History brought to you by Minicasha Sales, 1321 East Main in Burley. By the way, I want to keep telling everybody, they've got all the Tartar Ranch and Farm equipment. And Doctor History knows, because he's been around horses and everything, that is the best. All the panels, all the cattle handling equipment, the tanks and the waterers, rodeo and arena equipment, everything. Zach and Joanne over at Minicasha Sales, they've got what you're looking for. And I'll tell you what, um, all you have to do is give them a call. 
And that number is 878-2091. 878-2091. Minicasha Sales, right across from the Burley Airport. And they can help you. 1321 East Main in Burley, bringing you and yours Dr. History. Well, you know, a patient's survival really depended a lot on luck. I mean, the surgeon's skill and his own vigor helped, obviously. But now one Montana man actually fell on a circular saw, cutting oh. through several ribs oh. into his lung. Oh. Dr. John Buker put the ribs in place, stopped the flow of the blood, patched the lung. The man recovered. Oh, my goodness. So the frontier surgeon performed procedures that today would require special instruments, advanced anesthesia, and a team of professional assistants. And yet a lot of patients came out of it with not so much as even a fever, which is amazing. Unbelievable. But it was in his surgical skill that a doctor gained his reputation. Now, any operation he performed was a matter of public interest. When Dr. Charles Gardner elected to remove a huge tumor from a woman's scalp, a self-appointed commentator shoved his way into his office to report on the operation to the crowd waiting outside. Hmm. So through an open window, he announced each step of the procedure, the operation, and at the end he said, she's doing fine, folks. It's all over but the shouting. So the crowd cheered and fired off a couple of shots in the air, and they escorted the doctor to the saloon to celebrate. Was she all right? Well, it doesn't say she died. You're kind of (laughs) leaving me hanging there, Doc. It said she's doing fine. Oh, my goodness. So I don't know how she was the next day. Yeah. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. But uh, Now, one of the most colorful doctors was a guy by the name of Mitchell. Now, he was in Deer Lodge, Montana. Uh, Dr. Mitchell traveled by horseback from place to place. It was said that he had drifted Montana from the mining camps in California about 1865 and that he was uh, ready for any type of surgery with a good drink warm in his veins and a butcher knife in his hands. A butcher knife? That's what he had. So one Saturday uh, in the mining camp of Beartown on the Little Blackfoot River, this Dr. Mitchell was called on to treat the badly burned arm of a man named Shorty. Well, the night before, in a drunken stupor, Shorty had fallen into his own fireplace and almost uh, incinerated his arm. Oh, my goodness. In the town saloon, an operating table was prepared with planks and whiskey barrels. Uh And, of course, the anesthesia, as I mentioned, was whiskey. Had plenty of it. They did. And Dr. Mitchell went to work amputating Shorty's arm while the owner of the establishment spread sawdust on the floor to soak up the blood. After the operation, Shorty hopped up, invited his friends to join him and the doctor in a round of drinks. You are kidding me. After having his arm cut off. I thought you were going to say it was the wrong arm. (laughs) Well, we don't know that. Oh, okay. (laughs) Oh, my. Well, Mitchell became one of Montana's outstanding doctors, uh, a founding member of the Montana Medical Association. How much of that story do you honestly believe? I believe it. I, you know, I've read enough in this book about the doctors in the old west jumped that, off the table and said everybody can have a drink on him yeah with yeah. W- without an arm yeah yeah 
I so, hope he didn't keep his change in his left pocket. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> if he was right-handed. Yeah. But, well, so there's another doctor, Dr. Smith in Virginia City, and he was really good with orthopedics. He actually built supports for broken legs that he elevated with pulleys and strings. And once when a broken leg refused to stay in place... You ready for this? Oh, no. He nailed the bones together using carpenter's tools. The bones held. The patient recovered the use of his leg. I'm sitting here with my mouth agape. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Carpenter nails? Carpenter nails. And and actually, if you were to see the tools the doctors use today, you would almost think they came from Ace Hardware. (laughs) Nails, hammers, saws. Yeah, I can't even imagine. I mean, the infection, the bacteria, the staph infections. Wow. Well, and some guy might recover from a severe injury, and the next guy gets a little cut on his arm and dies from infection. And when the doctor finished doing that process, he said, yep, we nailed him. We nailed him. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, no study of gold camp doctors would be complete without mentioning Tombstone's amazing Dr. George Goodfellow. Oh, my. Okay, he was an innovative surgeon. Goodfellow gained a national reputation for the development of some technical operating procedures. What? Now, well, I think I'm going to get to that here. Uh, I think. Okay. Okay. So Tombstone, Arizona was a kind of an angry place. Oh, it was tough. Fights with fist, knife, yeah. and gun. Yeah. Hangings were coming, common. Uh, not only treating most of the survivors, but also doing autopsies on some of the dead, mm-hmm. Goodfellow developed an advanced understanding of trauma and ballistics. Had a lot of people to work with. Yeah, he had a lot to work with. What's more, he shared his studies and observations with his colleagues. So Goodfellow's post-mortem reports show a degree of humor. Uh, he His examination of a gambler killed over a card game showed, and I quote, the body to be rich in lead, but not too badly punctured to hold whiskey. Uh-huh. That's a good doctor's report. <laughs> so he was still able to hold the whiskey even yes. though he was full of lead. Yeah. So anyway, a uh, good fellow followed Lister, uh, Lister's method of surgical antisepsis completely. Oh, was so, he the father of Listerine? Yes. Really? The, the instrument, well... They named it after him. I see. So, but the instruments, the sponges, the surgeon's hands, and the field of surgery, he sprayed with carbolic acid all around the room. So this was one of the first guys to actually uh, clean and, anest- or, uh, you know, really sanitize. Where did he get this idea? Uh, I don't know. Just maybe on his own, he figured it out. Germs. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, word of good fellow skill in saving men uh, uh, with uh, fatal abdominal gunshot wounds spread throughout Arizona. Uh, there were few hospitals, so his operating suite was usually a dingy drafty room or a smoky, smoky bar room table. Oh, uh, you know. Yeah. So, but not even good fellow could save everyone. Uh, his colleague in Tombstone, a county doctor by the name of Willis, was shot. And he died of hemorrhage so fast that there was no time for surgery. But uh, Dr. Goodfellow was asked to operate on another colleague, a Dr. Handy. And this prominent Tucson doctor was shot in the abdomen by his wife's divorce lawyer. Mm, There must be a whole story behind that. Here we go with the lawyer (laughs) jokes. Well, Goodfellow arrived in Tucson 10 hours after the incident with the help of several doctors. And the guy was still alive? Still alive. He sutured more than a dozen holes 
in Dr. Handy's intestines. Well, Dr. Handy died just after the last stitch. <laughs> Here you had such a good story. I know, I know. And that last line just clinched it, didn't it? Oh, my. So, uh, we're out of time. Uh, we are. We are. You know, the, the one thing that is amazing to me is that uh, how anybody survived. But I would imagine that because the exposure factor to germs and bacteria was so pronounced back then, maybe they had uh, kind of a warding off of all the germs. Well, uh, and... An immunity. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Some of the, I think some of the mountain men, some of those guys yeah. developed somewhat of an immunity yeah. on their own. And today, but, what's the name of the book? The book is Bleed, Blister, and Purge, and oh. it's a history of medicine in the Old West. Now, that is an interesting book, Bleed, Blister, and Purge. And I've told quite a few stories out of this. Indian yeah. medicine, uh, uh, the doctors in the Old West, the uh, uh, mother, the grandmother medicines, the granny medicines. But the Indians actually were a big help in helping American medicine, weren't they? They were. They were. And there was yeah. times when the white men asked the Indian medicine man to come and help them. And that's where the phrase, yatahe came from. Yeah. That means <laughs> Whatever that means. No money. <laughs> <laughs> the bill, the, Do the you checks have in the mail. Cross. <laughs> <laughs> the checks in the mail. <laughs> Give me your TP. Anyway, Doc, uh, you'll be here next week? Yes. Okay. And another story from the old West. Old West, old yes. West. I got to tell everybody we thank very much, and you can chime in on this. These are wonderful people. Minicash Sales, 1321 East Main and Burley. They've got everything. Doors, garage doors. I bought a door from C my new door out in the back porch? Yeah, I did. We Absolutely did. a nice door. Carpet and vinyl and metal siding. They've got it all for you right there. All you got to do is just stop in and see them at 1321 East Main in Burley. Number to call, 878-2091. Sales. We salute them and say thanks to Zach and Joanne. Appreciate it. They just came out and measured for some carpet yesterday. At your place? At my mother's place. At your mom's place. So we're going to get some carpet yeah. from them. Good deal. That's yep. nice. And uh, we'll look forward to having you back here next week. Sounds great. You I have gotta, a good day. i got to do a commercial, and uh, then I've got to go to a break at the bottom of the hour. So, Dr. History, God bless.